Hey everyone, welcome to episode eight of the Solving Problems podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. My name is Jonathan Crowell, and if we haven't met yet, and I am your host for the podcast, I'm actually by myself today on the intro because Kyler is going to join us for the uh, the interview portion today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about a thing called the curse of knowledge. At its core, it's all about how we confuse the people we're trying to reach because what feels natural to us is foreign to the people we're talking to. As church professionals, we say and do things that feel natural to us, but could be at best confusing or at worst off-putting to the people who are new to church or who aren't as educated as we are. Another way to look at it is if we were to rank on a scale of one to 10, what we know versus what other people know, the average person listening to this podcast is probably somewhere between an eight to a 10. You know, the meaning behind things like the blood of Jesus covering us. So that saying is not weird to you. Or maybe you've studied the Bible for a few years, so you have quick recall when someone makes a passing reference to a theological idea or to scripture. But most of us, when we take the time to explain things, we typically explain them at about a six or a seven level. The problem with that is that people who we are talking to who are new to church or who aren't as educated as we are tend to only comprehend things on a three or four level. This happens across the board. It's not just a church concept. It's any business or industry, really. So what we have to do to connect with them is we really have to begin to strip back our ideas and communicate things at their most basic level. And this is something that we don't always do a great job of in the church. So for today's episode, today is actually part one of a two-part episode on the curse of knowledge. This week, we're going to look at some of the things we do in church that may be confusing to people. Think of it as uh, we're just shining a light into blind spots that we have. There's no judgment with this. It's just something that most people probably haven't thought of. We're going to talk about some common issues that we have and a couple ways that we can fix them. And then next week, we're going to focus in on some ways that are really pretty easy that we can leverage this curse of knowledge to reach people in ways that we haven't thought about before. So now we're going to go ahead and get into the interview portion. Kyler's with us. If you haven't met Kyler, if you haven't been listening to this podcast in the past and uh, don't know Kyler's background, he is a story brand certified guy, just like me. Uh, we uh, work together a lot. So uh, it's, it's just fun to sit and talk about things that we've talked about before, but talk about it with you guys. Uh, Kyler's based in Phoenix, Arizona right now. He works with tons of churches, tons of businesses. He's a big part of the church communications group on Facebook. He got his start in a mega church creative communications role when he was only like a sophomore or junior in college. So he's been around this earlier than most of us. So he still has a fresh look at it while still having the experience to really know what he's talking about. So with that, we're going to hit the dance music now, and then Kyler will be on with us at the back end. All right, we've got Kyler in now. Kyler, say hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, today's episode, like we mentioned, is uh, on the curse of knowledge. And if you listen back to the Christmas episode, episode six, where uh, Kyler and I talked about this a little bit, uh, we touched on a couple of Christmas-themed curse of knowledge stuff. But in general, Kyler, can you give us a couple examples of your least favorite biggest pet peeve curse of knowledge things we do in the church 
Yeah. I, well, I think one of the biggest ones is when pastors are on stage and I don't mean to pick on like pastors cause everyone kind of operates under the curse of knowledge, but um, when they're on stage and they say, we're all familiar with, and then insert Bible verse here, or after we pray, and this is like never going to change. So I'm just learning to live with it. But after they pray and say, and everyone said, amen, or, and everyone said, whatever, when we say those things, when we say we're all familiar with insert this, it really isolates people. And so even me, like I I've grown up in church, like I read the Bible once a month. So I'm relatively, <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively familiar with the Bible. Right. And so I like, even for me, they'll say, we're all familiar with this verse. And I'm like, I am not super familiar with that. And then they first, go to like Ezekiel so. 14 and it's like, Oh no, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. Or like revelations are like, Oh yeah. Just in my early morning light reading, I, I love to explore revelation. Like that's my favorite <laughs> book to read from in the mornings. Yeah. And <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I can't imagine doing my morning devotionals through revelation. When I was a kid, this is a total tangent that might get deleted, but we did like an entire Wednesday night youth Bible study through the book of revelation. I also like read the, every left behind book. Um, yeah, because, basically the same, same revelation, yeah. just in, you know, modern day format. And not theologically correct. Anyways, let's not keep too. moving on. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the curse of knowledge really, it's, it's just us taking for granted what we know to be true, but other people may not. Aside from the theological stuff too, Jonathan, like I think we're guilty of this in really like most areas of church, um, especially churches are guilty of this. Like sure businesses are, but I think especially in churches because we're so used to doing things and we've done them the same way for a long time. So aside from that theological stuff, we're guilty of this in order of service, not inviting people to stand during worship, not explaining communion, not expa explaining tithe and offering, like just being aware of all of those things. Um, you kind of take a look back and you're like, wow, we really are operating under this curse of knowledge pretty heavily at church. Yeah. My church does this thing. And I think it's fairly common with some arc churches, church plants. Mm -hmm. We have like this four to five minute intro video that we play each week. And at the one minute mark, the music changes over to this uh, high energy music leading in to the worship set. And naturally what has become I guess, tradition, part of the liturgy, whatever is during that one minute, everyone stands up and starts clapping to the beat of the song. And then it goes straight into worship. First time I was there, we got there late because kids check in, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't experience that. So it was a couple of weeks before, um, thankfully, that I experienced that. I'm like, oh, wait, everyone's standing. Why is everyone standing? Why is everyone clapping? This is weird. And if I didn't know any better, like, it just felt weird. Right. But it's one right. of those things that happens organically that is never taken the time to explain because it's before service and we don't talk about it. But there are things like that that are in the service too. Like my uh, grandpa growing up would always do the God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Call and answer thing. And if you don't know what that is, is you're just sitting there like, huh? Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and a lot of those things too, I think are going to be somewhat unavoidable because churches are so liturgical and, you know, operate under like a certain, um, level of like that stuff. And so even if somebody came up the worship pastor or whatever at the start of the service or after worship and said, Hey, if you're new and you're looking around saying, why the heck is everyone clapping? Um, here's why we do that. It's just kind of gets everyone excited, whatever. And then even if it's a little awkward in that moment, by them addressing it, you're leaving there not feeling awkward. You're like, Oh, okay. That was awkward for five minutes, but I understand why they do that now. And that's not the whole, uh, you know, the biggest thing that you're remembering about the service. 
one of the tough parts about this conversation this week and next week is that there's always going to be some sense of personal knowledge in everything that we do and that we can't take the time and explain every single thing that we do every single week. So the point of this episode this week and the next week is just to bring this uh to your attention to let you know that it's happening so that you can start thinking through these things and figure a way that you can start helping new people and helping people connect so that you're not turning them away inadvertently and left wondering like, why did we scare them off? Right, for sure. Well, and, and aside from this basic stuff, like kind of these, these things are all fine in the standing during worship and whatever. Those are essentially really minor and kind of like the whole eternal perspective. But um, why don't you sh- jump into your story and just kind of talk about, um, how this can really have deep, like personal ramifications for people if we're not aware of it. Just you've you told me this story a couple of times, but I'd love for you to share it um, with our listeners. Yeah. So last spring, uh, my mom was dying of cancer, and uh, I spent two weeks in March. Uh, I'm, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee now. Uh, my family lives in North Carolina, so I went home during the week to help them out um, with my mom while she was in hospice care because my sister needed to go back to work and. Um, I was doing all those things that you do when you have a family member who is dying. And uh, I left the hospice house on a Friday afternoon, knowing that it would be the last time I ever saw my mom uh, alive. And we had made the decision that um, we were going to go to palliative care. Her, things were just going downhill quickly. And um, I knew leaving that day that was the last time I'd see my mom alive. Um, Fast forward two days, and I'm sitting in ch- standing in church, really, and uh, we started singing a new song. Um, and if you know the song, King of My Heart, um, that's the song I'm talking about. And we started going through it, and the first part of the song, uh, You Are Good, You Are Good, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with it, and I agree with that. But when we got to the bridge of the song, I got pissed off. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word pissed on this podcast, but You're it's not, my but podcast. That's, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyways. They said it on TV during a football game. So I'm going to say it now. <laughs> um, if you offended you, I'm sorry. But uh, that was, that was the emotion I felt um, in the moment because the bridge of that song uh, repeats over and over. You're never going to let, never going to let me down. And it says this over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, standing there, I leaned over to my wife and told her we were just singing a lie that was just meant to make Christians feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were words that came out of my mouth. And I'm sitting there thinking, how can I sing? You're never going to let me down on a Sunday when two days earlier, I told my mom bye and that I loved her for the last time. And as I walked out of the door, she said, love you too, Jordy. My mom's last words to me were calling me by my little brother's name. And I know it was the pain meds. I know it was the cancer. I know it wasn't by choice. But still, that's a little hard to reconcile that my mom's last words to me were my brother's names, and then God's never going to let me down. Right, right. Well, and Jonathan, take... Take a second to here and just like explain for listeners if they haven't, you know, been listening previously or don't know you, uh, like a little bit about your background because it's not like you're just a casual Christian or you know what I mean. Like you, you didn't just start going to church. Like expand on that a little bit just so they can really understand the thoughts you're wrestling with, and then maybe even how much more their, you know, their attenders are are wrestling with those thoughts as well. 
So my grandpa, my mom's dad, uh, was my pastor growing up. Uh, he planted a church back in the, I think it was the seventies that my mom actually helped put the uh, original roof on, uh, when they built the building. And, uh, so I was, I grew up in his church. Uh, I went to a Christian college. I have a seminary degree. I've worked on church staff. Uh, so I'm not new to church. Right. Uh, but here I am in this moment thinking like, God, the least you could have done was give my mom the wherewithal to say my name right as I walked out the door. Like, I know you're at least that powerful. Um, but here I am hearing you're never going to let, never going to let me down. And I'm angry and I'm, um, I, I, I think the best way to say it is like, I was just ticked off and uh, I hated that song. And the thing is, I, knew the Bible. I know that the Bible says, I know Romans 8, 28 says, and that things are going to be good and that God works it all out for us and everything. But I was angry and it, it honestly took me months before I could sing that song and not be angry. And I took the time after it was over. Like I watched YouTube videos explaining the meaning behind the song. I, um, I talked to a pastor of my pastor friend of mine for probably 30, 45 minutes, just debating the, the theology behind it, because in that moment, I couldn't grip it. I couldn't come to grips with it. Well, and if you're wrestling with it that much, like, like I've mentioned, like imagine, you know, someone who doesn't know Romans eight twenty eight or who isn't going to take the time to, you know, go listen to the theology or, or, you know, ask those types of questions. Like they're just going to leave. Like they're not coming back. Yeah. I can't imagine if someone who, didn't know Jesus, didn't know the Bible, who had been in my same situation. I don't know that not everybody coming off the streets had just said bye to their mom for the last time. Right. But, but they're wrestling with their own with their own things, you know, regardless of what it is. New people are coming to church for the first time because they're coming out of some crisis. So how would you how would you say that your church sort of handled that? Um, like how, how do they either rectify it later or how do they be aware of that and fix that issue at the time that it's going on? Cause obviously they're not knowing what's what you're experiencing. They're just thinking, Oh, this is a great song. Let's sing this. How are they aware of that? And then take steps to, you know, help their congregation. I don't want to, I don't want people to hear blame in my voice when I tell the story. Like I know like Casey, who was the worship leader, like I know him, I know his heart and like, he wasn't set out to try. I don't even know if he knows that it upset me for so long. Um, he probably doesn't. But if he would have taken the time, um, 60 seconds before the song started or during the bridge, and to remind us of the scripture it was based on, I think I would have gone into that with a different mindset. I never would have gotten to the point where I was angry. If, if he would have said something like, we're all here from different backgrounds today, and I, I don't know what's going on in your life, but... One thing scripture tells us is that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose for them. So even if it's all falling apart around you today, um, and even if you can't see the good, you can trust that God will never let you down. So as we sing this next song, we invite you to sing these words based on God, who God is and his promises to us and um, let those overwhelm you instead of the situation that you're in. Okay, I'm then focusing on I've been invited to focus on God's attributes at that point. Um, and I've been reminded of what he said in scripture. So that could have saved me months and of anger and hurt towards the church that didn't really need to be there. Right. Right. But, oh, I think that's a good segue. So, so let's just touch on 
um, let's go from that very deep story into some Breathe. practical ways that um, <laughs> that churches can, you know, uh, you know, be aware of the curse of knowledge, first of all. And then second of all, like, what are some ways that they can overcome it? You, you mentioned a great example, you know, leading from stage saying, hey, here's here's this song um, and here's why we sing it. But aside from that, what are um, what are some things that we can do to avoid those those types of things? I think one of the biggest things we should do or could do better is just Mm -hmm. assume that people Mm -hmm. don't know anything. Um, Like I said, in the intro of this episode, as church staff members or volunteers or whatever it might be, whatever you are listening to this, we understand the way church works at an eight to a 10 level on a scale of one to 10. The person coming in off the street, if they've, or let let me back up. The person who's been coming to church for a while probably understands six to seven Bible literacy is at the lowest it's been at any point mm-hmm. in the last century, probably. So they know less Bible than uh, we think they do. And then the person off the street knows even less than that. So they're at the three or four level. So we say or do things and a lot of our worship songs. And if you're a worship leader, I'm not picking on you. I love worship music. And I like, I, me and Kyler both have played in worship bands and been a part of service creation. So um, I'm a big fan of you and your role. I just think that a lot of what we do in worship through music is um, it's pictures, it's mm-hmm. uh, metaphors. And if you don't know what those metaphors and those pictures are based on, then you can get confused really quickly. Right. So on a Sunday morning, one of the places we can really be mindful is um, – through our worship music and wondering like, here I raise my Ebenezer uh, in Come Thou Found. What does that mean? I had a worship leader one time take a few minutes before the song and explain what that was. And I've sang that song different for the past, I think, seven or eight years since I first heard that. Right, right. Um, So it's just taking the time to assume that people know nothing. And then when we can, because we can't always do it, when we can speak into that, for 30, 60 seconds, um, don't preach. Please do not preach a second sermon. Um, but speaking into that a little bit to let people know like what we are singing about. Right, right. Well, and I want to expand on that for a second, Jonathan, because that doesn't mean like assuming people know nothing doesn't mean that we need to dumb things down, like dumb down our theology or swap out, you know, sacred words or anything like that. Um, I think it really just simply means that we need to assume that people don't understand those things and then do our best to expand on them. Like, I don't think we need to remove things like communion or, you know, tithing. Like, we don't need to not, not say those things. Just explain them. You know, I think that's the one big thing I want people to understand. And leadership, uh, especially Christian leadership, we talk about sacrificial leading and um, how we are supposed to sacrifice to lead others. Um, and it, it's it's biblical and all that. But we don't think about that when it comes to planning our service or our communications. But in reality taking the time to explain some of these things to people who don't know any better is a sacrificial way of leading them. You are sacrificing um, your comfort level because you've explained this a thousand times already. Um, You're sacrificing maybe something you could be doing for that minute of service um, to bring someone along. And it's the idea of leaving the 99 for the one. Yes, there are 99 other people in your room who know what that's about, but that one person doesn't know what you're talking about. So you're mm, going to, the other preach. people, Come on now. <laughs> I feel like I could sing a song about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but that, that will, 
allow that one person to maybe forever have their their lives changed, their world changed, their worship changed, whatever it might be, because you took the time to walk through that. Right, right. Well, and, and a lot of what we do in church too is removing barriers. So we talk about that a lot, um, not necessarily on this podcast, but just removing those things that people are going to get in the way of people experiencing Jesus for maybe the first time. So um, removing those barriers of words that they don't understand or phrases or things that they don't understand, they can leave there. And instead of focus on focusing on things that were uncomfortable or awkward or weird to them, they've left there with a new understanding of who Jesus is and, and his heart for them. Um, I think the other way that we can do that and I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast is ditching exclusive statements. So like everyone knows we all know. And everyone said like, stop saying those because not everyone knows like, you know, but I don't know. Right. Or just those things that are going to make, um, a lot of smaller churches are guilty of this. And I, I started working in small churches, So I totally get it. You're saying things like, Hey, go find Susie. If you want to sign up for this event or, um, tell an inside joke about, you know, somebody in the church, like, yeah, maybe 90% of people understand that, but the 10% who don't are confused. They feel like, man, I don't really belong here because I just like, I don't, they they already got this whole thing going. So I think just ditching exclusive statements inside, you know, jokes, like those types of things um, will really help remove barriers uh, and get us outside of that curse of knowledge as well. Hey, before you started dating your now wife, were you ever like the fifth will on a date? Um... I mean, I guess probably just tagging along and, you know, groups of people that hang out in college or whatever. It's the worst feeling in the world. Right. Like everyone's all cutesy and huggy and with each other, they've got someone there. And then you're just kind of left there like twiddling your thumbs and <laughs> like you want to pull your phone out to escape from it, but you can't really do that because that would be rude. And you're just it's trying just to get awkward. through it. Right. Yeah. Right. You're, you're trying to survive and get out and never put yourself in that situation again. Right. And that's what church is like when you come in and are new and, and a church is overly, I, I don't want to say overly traditional because that's a, that's a, I'm not trying to say like choir and stuff is bad, but overly like these type of statements that everyone, everyone knows or the insider language. When, when you do a lot of that stuff, it's like, oh, here's another example. A couple of years ago, I am not a Tennessee fan. Um, I went to the Tennessee-Alabama football game um, when Lane Kiffin first came back to Tennessee as an assistant for Alabama. And I just went because it was going to be a good game, or at least I thought it was. Um, and I had tickets from a friend. And so I'm sitting there and they're singing Rocky Top every two seconds. And they have their chants. They have their cheers. And I'm just kind of sitting there like... I don't know what's going on. Like I can watch the football game, but I can't partake in the stuff going around it until someone, until my friend that I went with told me, Hey, this is what we're saying in this cheer. This is what we clap here. Oh, okay. So someone invited me into that story and allowed then you can me to participate. And then it's not a barrier for you. Yeah. Then, it, and then I still think Rocky top is a terrible song, but <laughs> I can, I at least know when to woo. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> instead of before. Right. Well, and, and the other thing too here is like, and this is kind of my third point in the, in the way we kind of avoid those statements is um, we just need to over explain things. So your friend took the time to explain that to you. And he's probably said that to 
10 other people, right? Or, or at least somebody has said it, you know, a bunch of times, but as church leaders, we need to over explain things. And what I mean by that is just, if you've said something a hundred times, say it a hundred more explaining every week, why you receive offering or why you take communion doesn't just help the new guests. It also reinforces the why for your members. I think Wes mentioned that last season. Like if you're saying, here's why we tithe, here's why we give 10% of our offering and, and just expand on that. Well, here's why we take communion and say it every single week. And instead of assuming that majority of your church knows, they may know, but you're helping the guest by explaining what you're doing. And on top of that, you're reinforcing the why you're able to cast vision. Here's why we give. Here's why we sing. Here's why we read from the Bible or stand when we read or whatever that is for your church. If you over explain things, you're helping both of those audiences. So I, I want I want us to understand that, too. Like you're not just helping, you know, your guests like the purpose of curse of knowledge isn't just for guests. It's for everyone, people who come once a month, people who come twice a year, you know, like every, and everyone in between, like you're helping all of those people by understanding the curse of knowledge and explaining things in a simple, easy to understand way. And I think next episode, episode nine, uh, part two of the curse of knowledge, we're going to have some really practical stuff that you can, um, that you can use even more so than what we're talking about in this episode. I was literally just about to tease that, but one of those things that just to piggyback on what you're saying is uh, a lot of churches have the time of prayer at the end of service. And there have been times I've been in a church where you go into the last worship song and people go to the front and they just stand there. And it's kind of expected that like, <laughs> right. Hey, if you need prayer, you go to these people. And right. because I know church, I understand that. But I've also been in church where there's been a prayer team up front and the, the pastor that was preaching took the time to say, Hey, we have, a, we have prayer partners up here. And by coming up and getting in prayer with someone, that's not saying that uh, that you don't know Jesus and maybe you don't, but it doesn't mean that you're less of a person. It's just that maybe something's going on in your life right now that you need someone to pray for you and to come alongside you. And as a church, we want to partner with you in your life and to be a part of that. So if you need prayer for anything, come on up this week. We would love to pray for you about whatever's going on in your life. Perfect. That's all you got to do. That That's 30 seconds. And that lets me know as as a Christian, as someone who's been sitting there that, okay, I this is for me too. This, by walking up front, this isn't me saying I want to accept this, uh, accept salvation and pray the sinner's prayer. This is actually for everyone. Right. Right. Exactly. I think my church does that really well. I feel like everyone knows, you know, what prayer is for. And it, especially he does a good, our pastor does a good job of linking it back to the message. So if he's preaching on, um, uh, anxiety or something like that, he might say, Hey, whatever you're dealing with, um, maybe you have some anxiety in this area of your life and you just want to get rid of that. Come up and pray with us. Like he, he kind of just lists those things out. Um, and I, I think that's a good example, just really, um, over communicating what you do, why you do it. And it doesn't have to be long. You can take 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and it just really helps remove those barriers for people. So we'll get into next week about some ways you can leverage the curse of knowledge to actually help you reach more people. But the takeaway from this week is to assume people know nothing, uh, sacrificially lead by telling them uh, why you do what you do, and then just help people along in the process so that you don't alienate them and they never return. Boom. You got anything else? No, I'm excited for next week, though. I think it's going to be really good. So looking forward to having you guys back with us. Awesome. That's it for episode eight on the Solving Problems podcast. We'll be back next week for part two of this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, I am at Jonathan underscore Carone 
on Twitter and Instagram. Kyler is at Kyler underscore Nixon. We'd love to talk to you. Or if you have any questions, you can reach out on solvingproblemspodcast.com. And there's a form there you can fill out. And then we'll get back to you as soon as we can. But that's it for this week. Uh, We hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time. 